Welcome to the Unconventional CEOs Podcast, an uncharted journey through the world of business, life, and everything in between through the lens of two women with ADHD. We're your hosts, Gwen and Latrice, the neurodivergent CEOs who've cracked the code on running successful businesses while managing the beautiful chaos of life. We're here to share our unfiltered experiences, insights, and wisdom with you. Whether you're an entrepreneur seeking unconventional solutions, a fellow neurodivergent CEO looking for inspiration, or someone who loves a good story, you have found your home here with us. So buckle up, get ready to laugh, learn, and if we are lucky, be inspired as we dive into the world of the unconventional CEOs and our latest hyperfixations. Now let's vibe. Hey, Latrice. <laughs> I love how we always do that at the same time. We always want to say hi to each other. Same time. <laughs> One, two, three. Hi. <laughs> right. I haven't seen your face in a while. <sighs> Same. I have been dealing with sick children, of course. And they just love to be sick like one after the other. One gets sick, the next one gets sick, the next one gets that sick. That works. Runs yes. through the house. And I think I'm I've been dealing with now. allergies. Really? Oh, stop. I feel it. I hope you don't. Like right up here in, in this nostril area. <laughs> mm. Mm-mm. But what what is on the roster today? What are we? I mean, we're just going to, I think that we need to get into what it's like to have uncomfortable conversations. Okay. I love that topic because I feel like. It's, especially since we've just had, had one and it's like. Our first one. Oh my gosh. It's April. No, what date are we? February. Oh my God. Not April, ma'am. You are moving way Which, too fast. I'm telling you, I, time this year has. Uh, I'm I'm in 2025 already. Goodbye. You just checked out of 2024. You you done? Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know. It feels like we've been in it too long. Wow, she said we are on February 54th. <laughs> it's the 16th. Honestly, it hasn't been bad. But anyway, going back to the topic at hand, I've had to navigate so many uncomfortable conversations. Yeah. Like as an adult where you have to sit with how your actions have impacted somebody, mm-hmm. like you have to sit with how they're feeling and not make it about you. Mm-hmm. I have dealt with being a, I'm a recovering chronic overthinker. I still, I still go like, cause you were just telling me like, I'm an overthinker. Like I will, over, yes. I, I will too. I go in waves with it where like there's periods where I will overanalyze the shit out of something. And other times it's just like a non-issue for me. And yeah, but then I'll circle back to it in two months. Yeah. And be like, my brain does the same thing. I can't even lie. I am a chronic overthinker. I will overthink any situation. I will take a small look, the smallest comment and be like, well, what did they mean by that? And it's so funny. I literally messaged somebody yesterday like, is it me? Am I the problem? And she was like, well, what are you talking about? I was like, I think I have problems when it comes to people. But I realized I have a natural state of distrust. Like that's the the world I live in. It's like I never really trust people's intentions a lot of the times. So I do tend to think the worst. So I always feel like somebody is trying to either like play me or like trying to take advantage of me. And it's hard when you're in like genuine relationships or friendships because when you feel like that, it makes for an uncomfortable conversation to have to come to the person and be like, 
well, this is how I felt. What happened? Yeah, this is why. And so I need to understand your actions behind what you did. So I'm not over here thinking it's something that is not. Do you think that part of that's a trauma response? Because like Absolutely. you and I have shared a little bit about like upbringing and stuff. Mm-hmm. So part of that, I feel like is a little bit of like the ADH mind, like tracking patterns and like going through, mm-hmm. like overanalyzing, kind of spiraling. And also, I think part of that is like a trauma response, especially when you've grown up and loyalty hasn't always been there where you're like, yep, you question it and everybody and everything. I do that a lot for other people. Mm -hmm. I do it for myself, but like I am so hyper aware of like my kids' friends yeah, or like with my mom and, and I'm like analyzing like who they're friends with and, you know, kind of like trying to make sure that like, my protectiveness is up for them. I do it a lot for other people. Mm -hmm. I I am definitely the same. I think the funny thing is I am definitely that friend that if you bring somebody new around, I will be the first to be like, "Mm, I don't know about them. And if I tell Mm -hmm. you I don't like somebody when I first meet them, something's up. But but my intuition has never steered me wrong in that case. Like it's always been on, on point. So... I do even when it's not like immediately apparent though. Yeah. Even when it's taken me, it is take there's been times where I've been like, I don't like that person. Something's up with that person. And it wasn't like a um, oh, within a couple weeks, they've like revealed who they are. It's like sometimes it's been a while. And I'm like, you see? Yeah. Like there it is. You know, it's all I same. It's always I've never been wrong with that. Yeah. But I also think a part of that is the trauma response of like. You create like a sixth sense Mm -hmm. for yourself. It's like, I've read so much about this. Part of it's like pattern recognition, noticing micro move, Mm -hmm. micro like facial expressions, micro mannerisms that other people don't notice because you're hyper aware of it. Because you've had to like navigate, you're not really like sensing the energy in the room. You're actually picking up on little cues that nobody else picks up on. Mm -hmm. And so you do that with new interactions I do follow um, those patterns very, very quickly. And that's what's crazy. That, and that's how I know it's a trauma response because it's true. Like as a child, I remember, you know, having to be super independent, take care of myself, not really being able to rely on anybody else. And I think even now as an adult, it's hard to rely on somebody else. And I need to work on that because even in our conversation, it was like, I need help with doing X, Y, Z. And your response is, well, you got to let me do it. And that's true. Like, I have to realize I can't always jump the gun to to do everything and then complain that I do everything if I'm not giving you the opportunity to help. So, Mm -hmm. Well, and I'm guilty of that. I am guilty of that in other aspects as well of like just taking on all of the things and then being like becoming like resentful. Mm -hmm. And when it's like if I've just asked for help, like or been but part of that it make, I make it mean something about me if I have to mm-hmm. ask for help. That's a total growth edge for me. Like it's an, it's something I can recognize. But yeah, I mean, I feel like though in learning how to navigate the uncomfortable conversations, that's where real friendships, that's how people get roots in a friendship. Yeah. And how somebody will sit with how you're feeling or like be able to hear you and not make it about themselves or not make it about you or not be like super highly reactive, like speaks volumes for where like the relationship goes. I mean, I've had to have, there's been times, God, I had a highly uncomfortable conversation with a client one time. 
oh yeah, those conversations. And I mean, to where like, this does not happen very, like it was like, there was a responsibility on my part where I hurt my client unintentionally, like their feelings, you know, and I care for my clients. Like if I'm, if I'm not one of these people who just gets in there and does the work, like I build a relationship with my clients. And so having that conversation and sitting with it and then both of us like crying because I felt bad, you know, it was like, that was top two (laughs) uncomfortable conversation. And I feel like it's so hard to get to go into it when you're the initiator of it. But what makes it, I guess that's the question I have. It's like, what makes the conversation uncomfortable? What makes it a difficult conversation? And a lot of it, I think is just, us overthinking some of it, us planning our head, all the different scenarios that could possibly take place. Me thinking uh-huh. that it could be received in this manner versus this manner, or me uh-huh. thinking that my feelings won't be considered valid to this person. Or, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like a lot of the times what makes these conversations uncomfortable is not necessarily always a topic at hand. It's just... No, it's the anticipation. Yes. It's, I agree with that. It's not necessarily the conversation itself. It's the anticipation and the stories we've told ourselves. I mean, as an overthinker, you have analyzed every potential outcome and had the conversation in your head about with every, like, you know, what if she says this or what if she says this and how, what happens if this? And and it's like, you've gone through it all. And so you sit there in the nerves, you sit there in the emotion of the conversation that hasn't even happened yet. Yep. I mean, I know I've done that. All of them. Not just, not just one. It's because you don't know how it's going to go. So you're like wearing the emotions of anxiety, upset, hurt. Mm -hmm. Like you're, you're wearing them all. And then you're going into it with feeling kind of raw and exposed. Yes. And most of the time it's like, you end up feeling like pretty relieved after at least kind of like, okay, well that's off my chest. And now I can like proceed forward. So I mean, it's like that with business. It's like that with friendships. It's like that with their kids. I feel like it gets harder with kids too, as they get older. Kids. You know, it's not, it's not like when they're little and you have a, you have to like have a conversation, like the older they get having like tougher conversations, you're just like, oh my gosh, how is this going to be perceived? Like, I don't want to isolate. I don't want to make, isolate them from me. Mm -hmm. I don't want them to feel like they're being judged. I mean, I know that those are the things that I go through in my brain when I've had to have tough conversations. Like, Mm -hmm. I hope this doesn't damage the relationship long term. Have dealt with that. My daughter, my because I have two older daughters and my son is my son is the youngest, but my second oldest, my daughter, is 15. And Mm -hmm. I remember having to have a hard conversation with her because she was doing a class assignment and one of her, assign- I forgot what this time it was about, but it was about family and something like that. But I had read a piece of it where it was kind of like, she basically felt like it wasn't okay for her to cry. Yeah. And she, like, she thinks that it upsets me when she cries. And, th- and she also put, she realized that when I was growing up, like I couldn't cry. Like I had to be strong. So it made it made me so emotional because one, I was like, well, that's not the vibe I want to get off to my give off to my child. Of course you can cry. But she's also extremely sensitive. So she cries about a lot of things. So <laughs> I had to explain to her that it's okay to cry. I cry all the time. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I said, but mm-hmm. as your mom, sometimes I ha 
I don't understand why, like what triggered the emotion, because it could be something, something to me, which is like super simple to the point. And I don't understand how it hurts your feelings, even like at church, little, little things like they'll pair her with somebody and she's good. But if they move her and pair her with somebody else, all of a sudden her feelings are hurt. So I'm, you know, like trying to understand what's going on there. Why are you, why are you okay with some people and not okay with other people? You know, what's the comfort level here that like, you need to open up and Mm -hmm. talk to me because I, I advocate for my kids all the time. But if you're not telling me what's happening, that's what's frustrating. Cause I can't, I don't know why you're so upset, <laughs> mm-hmm. but it, and the it was, learning it how to like navigate and yeah. learning how to navigate and grow with each child. It's like, you're like, I've, I've this is my first time doing this. Mm-hmm. I, that was one thing I used to always tell my kids when they were younger, like, this is my first time doing this. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're unique. Like, this is my first time doing this with you. And yeah, like kind of navigating through that that's tough to have those types of conversations understanding how each child works is so difficult and like not wanting and treading on that it's like you have to tread so lightly you do you have to be very very careful very careful but because it could be damaging and but it's it yeah anyway I feel like you and I it's the it's probably the first of a not not many, but I'm sure there's going to be other uncomfortable conversations. I yeah. mean, that's what happens when you mix friendships in with doing projects mm-hmm. and expectations. Together. There's no real way around that. Like you're gonna, people are are going to have shit that comes up. Yeah. Because we're human and emotional and we make, we're meaning making machines. It's really just continuing to be open I think mm-hmm. I think that's the biggest thing I don't mind uncomfortable conversations because I'm open to growth yeah and if I'm in friendship and I'm in relationship I'm open to continuing to grow and so like I want to hear I'm not perfect I know that I do things that are reactive rather than helpful Same. sometimes and so I think that I think it's important I think that like the biggest takeaway for anybody listening to this would be like have it sooner than later. Absolutely. Don't sit with it too long because that that's the biggest problem is trying to sit with it and trying to analyze it. And because it doesn't really just go away unless you get it out. And uh-huh. for me, it was like, especially trying, like having that conversation with you, it was, it wasn't like terrifying, but it was like, we've never had to have a difficult conversation. So I just don't know what to expect. Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, that's like a, the first one's always kind of scary. It's like when you have your first like upset in a really in any relationship, you're like, mm-hmm. "Ooh, how's this gonna go?" Yeah. Like, because you like, see, I hope, like, I hope she's still gonna want to be my friend. <laughs> it's like you see who somebody really is in those moments. True. Like, are they finger pointing? You know, or of course, I still want to be your friend. I still want to do this. I I do and I enjoy this. <laughs> Because I am very much, I have learned this about myself. It, and it's funny because even talking to like my husband in our conversations is I'm very emotional in the sense that a lot of my conversation starts with how I feel. My starting point is always how I feel. And he's very much logical. So it's a lot of, I think, I know, you know what I mean? Like he comes uh-huh. from that place. So sometimes those things clash. <laughs> But I think that's a male female thing too. I mean, it's true, but it can happen with same sex because some of us are more logical than others. So sometimes mm-hmm. I have friends that are extremely logical and I am rooted in emotion. So 
sometimes I have to just be like, okay, I need a minute to process. Like, let me process because like you said, I can be reactive. And if I'm just reacting on pure emotion, a pure emotion, everything I say is going to be rooted in how I feel. There won't be much in that moment. Yeah. In that moment. And it won't be much logic inserted. So sometimes I have to process first with all the emotion I have going on, all the thoughts. And so I can insert logic into my feelings. I don't take away how I feel because how I felt is how I felt. And I'll tell you Mm -hmm. why I felt that way, but I can explain it in a more logical way once I've had a time to process it. (laughs) No, totally. I feel like that's been, I mean, that right there, what you were saying, it's the like, I feel Mm -hmm. one of the things that I, it doesn't, I don't do this often and it it takes a lot for me to get that way. But like, if I get reactive in a hard conversation, it's bad. Mm-hmm. Like it's not productive. It'll just end up hurtful to everybody because I I can't, I have a sharp tongue. I do too. I do. And I'll say things and then I almost instantly will be like, <laughs> like, well, now I feel horrible because that's not actually how I feel. I, yeah. That's how I felt for like 0.2 seconds and then it came out. I That's one thing that it's like, and again, it's that protective lashing mm-hmm. out like thing and I know that that's rooted from just how I grew up absolutely I mean to be honest with you I am better now with the people I care about like when we go into any type of heated discussions my sharp tongue is a lot more controlled than it used to be because I know that I don't want to say anything that I don't mean and I don't want to have to you know apologize for just being overly whatever, because I I do have a sharp tongue. But if I don't care about the relationship. No, if I'm done. If, yeah, if I didn't hit a max, a hit a, and I'm like done, done, I will definitely be like, you know what they say about cancers, right? They're like, you take it low, they take it to hell. <laughs> You're a cancer. Yes. That's right. Everybody in my life is like, I swear, so many of the, my sister's a cancer. My mom is a cancer. I like collect cancers. I am so serious. Of course you are. I, you know what? I remember learning this. That you said this, and it's like I'm acting like this is new knowledge, but it's like I forgot. <laughs> when we first met face to face, I remember us talking about that, and I was, and I told you that too. I collect cancers. Of course yeah. you are, because you're, you're a Taurus, right? Mm-hmm. See, I remember because I know your birthday's in May. I don't remember the exact date, but I know it's May. So I got you. It's on my calendar. <laughs> Oh, you're on my calendar, too, girl. Don't worry. I'll get the reminder. But I can't even remember like a lot of important dates. It's okay. That's that part of the ADHD thing. But let us go ahead and wrap this up because I think this was a good topic of discussion because we all feel yeah, I mean, hard conversations in mm-hmm. every aspect of life. So this is definitely a good point to end it before we just ramble go on into something else (laughs) right because you know us (laughs) all right until next time until next time thanks for joining us on another episode of the unconventional ceos we hope you enjoy the candid conversations and found inspiration in our unique perspectives be sure to subscribe rate and leave a review if you loved what you heard your feedback helps us reach even more listeners who might benefit from our insights And if you want to stay connected with us in between episodes, you can find us on Instagram at Unconventional CEOs. We're always sharing tips, behind the scenes stories and more. 
Until next time, remember your neurodiversity is your strength and success can be created on your own terms. Keep embracing the chaos and don't be afraid to be unconventional.